listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So it's a bit like a court case. Who knew? You've all been, you all showed up. You thought you were coming to church. As it turns out, we're on trial. (laughs) God's the judge. And uh, I guess we're the plaintiffs. Mm, Help me out. No. We're the defendants. Thanks, my attorney friend right here. (laughs) We're the defendants. Okay, so here we are. And God's like, all right, you guys need to remember a few things. What's been going down? And what you've survived. Now what does the Lord require of us? Burnt offerings. Thousands of rams. Ten thousands of rivers of oil. Our firstborn. Giving the the fruit of our body for the sin of our souls. This is what the Lord requires of you, O mortal. But to do justice to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. So when I was working with the team that that helps put on Sunday morning, I referenced an old kind of call and response song. As it turns out, I was the only one who knew it. So I don't know if that says something about my age or maybe just my context, because I know I'm not that old. Um, But if you'll indulge me, uh, I thought we might, might do that a bit. So these are, you know, those campfire songs where one person sings something and everyone else kind of responds. You, you up for it? Yes? You? All right, I appreciate that. So just, there's a call and response, call and response, and there's a third line. If you know it, sing along. If not, I'll do it. And then the same thing happens. Call and response, call and response, and then a third line. And I believe that when we sang it as, as kids, you know, in the college dorm room, we said, uh, old man, but we'll, get, we'll go with the NRSV, old mortal, so that we're, we're inclusive of all who are here. So here it goes, something like this. He has shown thee, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justly. And to love mercy, and to to walk humbly with our God. That was pretty good. I'm going to take you on tour. (laughs) The Oasis Congregation Choir. Let's do it one more time, because you just heard it once, and I'd like for this to kind of settle in your soul just a bit. He has shown thee, thee. O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justly, to do justly and, to love mercy, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Listen, the 19-year-old Robbie loved that. Man, we would break into that in acapella, and I'd just cry, I love you, Lord. Good times, good, good memories for me. The thing is, I get it. 
I don't have to make sacrifices. It's not about this, this huge amount. It's not a thousand rams. It's not tens of thousands of rivers of oil. It's certainly not my firstborn, to which I'm sure Katie, if she's listening, is happy to hear that. But what is, what is this to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God? I think Jesus speaks something very similar. It's recorded in Matthew 23. And I'll, I'll just mention one caveat before I get there. Matthew 23 kind of has a very horrific history of interpretation. Uh, it's kind of Jesus fighting a bit with the Pharisees, and the, the language, as in any argument, gets a little heated. And in the 1930s and 1940s, Matthew 23 was quoted a lot in Germany. And it was done so in ways that really disparaged the Jewish people. So we're going to quote it, but with an acknowledgement that what we're saying is not that. But in the midst, in the midst of their, uh, their um, controversy, Jesus is, is getting frustrated with the Pharisees. And he, his, he kind of, his argument is basically, you're missing the point. You're majoring on the minors when I need you to major on the majors. And he says, to, he says this to them. He goes, look, you tithe on everything. You tithe on everything. You tithe on the very spices in your kitchen. Like, I'm going to put in a little salt. Oh, wait a minute. Let's 10% of that salt I'm going to give to the temple. Put in a little pepper. Uh, 10% of that pepper I'm going to give to the temple. I'm going to put in a little thyme. I'm going to put in a little, little curry, right? I'm going to set it, set it aside, right? He goes, you tithe on the spices, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and righteousness. Justice, mercy, and righteousness. I think this is exactly what the prophet said. This is what the, what the God of creation requires of us, to do justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God, to be, to be righteous. Now, I'm going to start at the end of those three, I think, and work my way back, because it's the last one that most of my life was presented to us as almost the totality of what it meant to be Christian, to walk humbly with God, to be righteous, right, to have some kind of regular practice of prayer or a scripture reading or of church attendance. And I think... This is one of the things the Lord requires of us, is to walk humbly with God, is to practice righteousness. And there are lots of different ways in which we do this, and this is not kind of a one-size-fits-all. And so I'm not here to kind of prescribe to you the, every particular way in which you might walk humbly with God or practice righteousness. But amongst the things I think that includes is a daily awareness of Jesus in your life. Like every day, whether it's when you're waking up in the morning, whether it's you're going to bed at night, or sometime throughout the day, or maybe a lot of the times throughout the day, being aware that Jesus is with you, that he loves you. This is a daily thing. You should pray daily. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be big elaborate prayers. Something else that I love about Jesus, he says, when you pray, don't pray like the pagans do with a lot of words. I'm like, what? I thought the ones who prayed well were the ones who prayed with a lot of words. Like, I always wanted to be like one of those guys at church who could get up and just pray and pray and pray. 
But Jesus says, that's what the pagans do. You don't need a lot of words, but you do need to have an awareness of how close God is to you, how much God loves you, the fact that God is always with you. And I think that's what it means to walk humbly with God, to practice righteousness. It's it's a daily affair. And I might add to that, when we come together on Sunday mornings, it is a way of walking humbly with God. That regular attendance, right, knowing and being known in the community is, is a way of practicing uh, humble humility, togetherness. And so I encourage you. I know in our culture, you know, anybody who comes to, to church kind of once a month kind of comes on a, is a regular attender. <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to shame you in any way, but I do believe that a, a regular practice, in the same way that I think you should acknowledge God's presence every day, I think us coming together once a week is, is not, it's not that God needs it, right? But we do. Now let's, let's back off of that. So walking home with our God, we got it. We're going to check that one off. But what about showing mercy? Now once again, I think... There are lots of ways in which we show mercy. And we can show mercy kind of in personal ways. And we can also show mercy in kind of collective ways. We can accomplish things together that we can't do on our own in terms of acts of mercy. I think one of the the greatest examples of an act of mercy in Scripture is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Which, of course, to the Jewish ear, would have sounded a bit like an oxymoron. Right, The Samaritans were kind of ethnic others. And we, I think that's a fairly, I mean, most people seem to know that, right? that the Jews and the Samaritans kind of didn't get along ethnically. But what you might not have known is that the Samaritan was also a religious other. And so when Jesus decided to tell a story about, you know, what is the greatest commandment, Right? The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And then the follow-up question was, well, who's my neighbor in Luke? And the answer is this parable of the Good Samaritan. So this is an ethnic other. This is a religious other. And yet, that person is the neighbor. That person is functioning exactly the way the Lord requires us to function, by showing mercy. The person in the story has been kind of uh, mobbed, uh, mugged, excuse me, and has been kind of robbed and has been beaten and has been left on the roadside. And so the Samaritan comes and, and meets, meets that person's needs. I mean, this is, uh, to quote another passage in Matthew, you know, when Jesus says, I was uh, hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was a prisoner, and you visited me. So these kind of providing the needs of those who are are in need. And there's lots of ways in which you can do that. And I think when we do that, we should do it with generosity. And we shouldn't necessarily put a lot of restrictions on the people that we're attempting to help. Like, that's, that's very, I think, uh, counterproductive. Like, I see your need, 
And I'm going to help you, but I'm going to help you this way. Not that way. I need you to do A, B, and C before I do X, Y, and Z. Right? But just give, give the same way God gives to us. With this kind of generous heart. Like, like the Samaritan did. He provided for the person's needs. He paid their medical bills. He paid their housing bill. And he said, if anything else is needed, I'll be back. So we offer help. So as, as an example, again, there's lots of ways we do this, and we can do it personally. You might be uh, giving money to, to someone who asked for it on the street. Or you might be um, volunteering in uh, a charity that, that meets people's particular needs, whatever, whatever those needs are. So an example of, of a local ministry that is constantly meeting needs is the Blessings and Hope Food Pantry. Like thousands and thousands of pounds of food are being distributed. Uh, hundreds, thousands, a family a month, right, are receiving not just food but groceries, uh, produce, um, fruits and vegetables. So. Maybe you individually can't provide all that food, but you individually can partner with, right, the pantry. You can show up. You can volunteer. And in doing that, that's an act of mercy. In doing that, you get to be a good Samaritan. <laughs> you get to play that role. So this is not an either-or. It's not like, well, either I'm going to pray every day and attend church once a week, or I'm going to try and have some acts of mercy in my life, whatever that might be, right? Providing for the needs that are in my kind of circle, right? Providing with needs that are within my means to help. It's not either or. Or, I had a, a mentor once who used to refer to or as a tyrant. Or as a tyrant. It tells you you're doing this or that. But the God's leadership is not tyrannical, right? God's, God's leadership is graceful. This is what the Lord requires of you, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. So I realize that these acts of mercy may not be quite as regular as your kind of living in righteousness, like the righteousness, again, I think needs to be every single day. Well, it might not be every day that you necessarily even see a person in need. But I bet it's more often than not. If not weekly, certainly monthly. You can put into your life a practice, whatever that might be, of showing mercy. And again, I think it operates at multiple levels. I think it can operate at a personal level in which we're merciful with those in our immediate circles. And I think it can operate at a social level where we can try to engage our larger community in meeting those needs like the Good Samaritan. Then lastly, there's this idea of doing justice. Now, is justice and mercy uh, hendiatus? Or are those two separate things? I'm not sure I said that word correctly, but for the grammarians in the room, it's that are they a, a couple like justice and mercy, like peanut butter and jelly, and walking humbly? 
are they three things? Justice, mercy, and righteousness. I'm going to argue that they're separate things, overlapping but not identical, that you can differentiate between the two. So if the Good Samaritan is this kind of quintessential example of loving mercy, then I would say Moses is kind of this quintessential example of doing justice. Because while on the one hand, mercy meets the immediate needs of those people that you see, and we will always have them, Jesus says. Like, there's going to always be this opportunity. That doesn't mean that we can neglect them now because we'll have more opportunities later. It means that the need is always there, right? But justice is a little different, or maybe more than a little, because it's not meeting the need of the person, but it's addressing the cause of the need. Uh, sometimes we use this analogy, it's a popular one, about kind of people seeing bodies float down the river. And so, of course, the immediate reaction is to try to pull them out of the river, right, to save them. And, and of course, that's an act of mercy. We should do that. We should, if somebody's in need, if they're about to die, we should do all we can to save them. But at some point, somebody needs to ask the question, what's causing all these bodies to end up in the river? And we need to find our way upriver to see if we can see what the cause is. And in the cause, identifying it, address it somehow. So Moses, when he goes to Pharaoh, is not, uh, Moses is not just involved in like acts of mercy. He's not kind of going out to the slaves and saying, okay, let's see if I can get you more water. Or going out to the slaves and saying, okay, let me see if I can get you some more shade. Moses shows up in Pharaoh's court and says, let my people go. Stop doing this oppression. End this injustice. And that's what kind of justice is, which I think, of course, is more difficult. It's more difficult partially because we don't have the authority or we don't have the means by which to stop the injustice. So again, this is multi-layered. So I think I can address justice issues personally. I think there is such a thing as personal justice because we all have our own realm of influence. Like it's possible for me to be unjust with my children. It's possible for me to be unjust with my students at the university. And I need to practice personal justice. But I also need to realize that there are systemic problems. There are social issues that need to be addressed. The way in which whole people groups are being treated, right? Issues of, of classism and racism and sexism and the way various people groups get marginalized in our society. The LGBT community or whatever group is being limited, right, by unjust systems that tell them they should not have equal access to the goods and services of the society. And so that's something we need to do. And I've talked about this before, and I'm, um, it's probably time for me to stop talking about it and maybe start doing something about it. But in Polk County, there's a group of churches, about 25 or so. They've been, they've been a group for about 20 years, 24, 25 years. And they call themselves PEACE, the Polk Ecumenical Action Council for Empowerment. 
and they meet multiple times a year, first to listen to one another, to see what are the experiences of injustice in our community. Is it access to health care or mental health care, which has been a big issue for them of late? Is it children? Is it um, transportation? What have you? And then, as opposed to just kind of sitting around, right, they do some research. They find out how have other cities or how have other counties in the state of Florida addressed these same issues? Because our problems are not unique to us, right? It's not, it's not as though children in Polk County somehow are more um, disobedient and get into trouble than the children of Miami-Dade, right? These, it's a, these are universal problems. And so then having assessed those problems, they, they search for solutions. And having sought, uh, sought out solutions, they then meet with uh, power brokers, whether it's the school board or whether it's the county commissioners or whether it's the sheriff's office. And, and they negotiate for change. It's exactly what Nehemiah does as he returns uh, from the exile. He realizes that there's some disparity that some people are trapped in. They're like they can't possibly get out of on their own. So he calls in all of the leadership, and they have a meeting, and he lays it out before them, and they change. Justice can result in change for our people, for our culture, for our society. And this is what the Lord requires of you, oh human beings to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And so we need to seek, again, to do all of these things. And I think, as I was saying, that some of these things are things that you can regularly do, like all the time. Like walking humbly is something you can do all the time, like every day. A loving mercy is something you can do on a pretty regular basis. Uh, when you have the resources, kind of meeting the needs that you see, or being involved in larger efforts, either kind of weekly or monthly or quarterly. But justice issues will probably happen uh, less frequently because it requires more of a collective effort. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's still not important to us. So, I mean... Uh, being with Angela is something I do pretty much every day, right? Um, talking to her, right? But celebrating her birthday, which we celebrated on Friday, is something we just do once a year, right? Your anniversary, uh, your wedding anniversary, I imagine could be something that's important to you, but you don't celebrate your wedding anniversary every day, but yet you celebrate it regularly, Right? So like Easter or like Christmas, there are some things in our lives that we only do once a year, but that doesn't mean they're not important to us. And it doesn't mean that it's not a part of who we are. I want us to, to uh, move a bit uh, and look at the gospel passage for today, which is a very kind of famous one. It's in, it's in Matthew chapter 5. It, it begins with verse 1. We refer to this passage as the Beatitudes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, 
his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, or that can be translated justice, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Just a couple of quick things. In particular, that one about peacemaking. Um, on the Enneagram, which we've been talking about on Tuesday nights, I'm, I've, I thought I was a seven. I'm becoming convinced that maybe I wasn't as uh, clear um, into my own terms of awareness as it regards that assessment. Um, I think I might, might be a nine. But the thing about the nines is, the, is they're often referred to as peacekeepers. And peacekeeping is not the same thing as peacemaking. Back to this idea of justice, which, again, I'm not trying to harp on it, but I think it's the thing that's most foreign to us, so I think we need to pay more attention to it. A peacemaker is not a peacekeeper because peace and justice is not the same thing as peace and quiet. That just because it's quiet doesn't necessarily mean it's peaceful. It might be peaceful because whoever's in charge has just forced us all into silence, right? If you own a business and your employees never complain, maybe it means you're a great boss or maybe it means you're a tyrant and they're afraid to say anything. Like, if it's quiet at your home, like when dad gets home, if things get quiet, that might mean that dad brings a, uh, the presence and aura of peace or it might mean everybody's scared and walking on eggshells, right? So again, Peace and quiet is not the same thing as peace and justice. And a peacekeeper is not the same thing as a peacemaker. This is not easy. And it's not, I say this in full knowledge that I know that I'm a bit of a conflict avoider. But I don't think that's what Jesus is calling us to. I don't think he's calling us to avoid conflict. I think he's calling us to resolve conflict. And to resolve conflict, again, on a personal level, in the ways we can, but then to also exert whatever influence or authority we have, either individually or even more so collectively in our society, to be those who resolve conflict, to make peace, to end injustice. Back in, in the passage in Micah, God's saying, look, you know, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Like, even when, uh, I've forgotten the king's name, is it Balak? Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's great to, to have people in the congregation who've read scripture all their lives and they know these things, right? So King Balak, right? He was out to do evil, right? He's sending Balaam to curse the people. Now, that story, if you know it, doesn't work out. He, his cursing ends up not being so effective. But we all know, as we look around, 
that there are those in our culture, in our communities, who look like they've been cursed. They, they look like they're on their kind of last leg. They're suffering. We've testified in our own services about some of our own kind of personal suffering that, that we've experienced. But what's happening, at least partially, I think, in these Beatitudes is those that the world would have called cursed, those which Balaam would have tried to curse, the meek, the poor, the hungry, those who hunger and thirst for justice, those who are mournful. Jesus says, your cursings are ineffective here because I say you're blessed. To repeat again what we hear in Matthew, those who are hungry or thirsty or naked or the stranger, um, help me out there, the sick and the prisoner, right? Those who we think they've been cursed, Jesus says, I am them. And when you do this to them, you've done this to me. So Jesus flips the world's cursing and changes it into blessing. And they're blessed because they're members of the kingdom. They're blessed because they're invited in. They're blessed because their needs will be met. They're blessed because justice will be served and the causes of their infliction will come to an end. And that is our hope. We sang this song this morning, that beautiful song that kind of um, rehearsed the Beatitudes. It, it broke me. I was over here in tears, sucking in air. Because there's nothing I want more for us, Oasis. To be people who do justice, who love mercy, and who walk humbly with our God. There's nothing I want more than for us to be the people who can bless those who have been cursed, who can open up our lives and our resources to those in need, and who can collectively come together with our fellow brothers and sisters in the area and speak truth to power and say, this is the way we believe our resources should be spent to provide for the needy, to change systems that create the need in the people, and in rather create uh, opportunities for thriving, opportunities for uh, kind of self-sustainable realities. And that's exactly what I intend to help us do. There's various ways in which uh, we will respond. Um, I'm working with the staff and some others. Um, uh, we're going to contact the folks at Peace. If you're interested in being involved, then please let Mikel or me or Carol know. Uh, there are other things. Again, uh, there's different. My intention here is not to prescribe to all of us every particular way in which we might respond to this word of the Lord today. 
But one of the ways I think we have to respond is in prayer. This isn't just a matter of pulling up our own bootstraps and say, okay, now I'm going to do justice. Okay, now I'm going to love mercy. Okay, now I'm going to walk humbly. We lay ourselves out before the Lord. We call out in prayer. And we anticipate that God will do the work in us and through us. So we're going to respond in prayer now. Um, Bev and Gretchen are going to come and lead us in a responsive prayer. And I'll be back. We'll pray for continued blessings on all peacemakers, on leaders who value peace, and on everyone who promotes nonviolent solutions to conflict. We pray for a speedy end to all violence and warfare around the world. God of peace and gentleness, hear our prayer. We pray for the strength of heart and mind to look beyond ourselves and address the needs of our brothers and sisters throughout the world for the rural and urban poor, for the rebuilding of our communities, and for an end to the cycles of violence that threaten our future. God of generosity and compassion, hear our prayer. We pray for all nations, that they may live in unity, peace, and concord, and that all people may know justice and enjoy the perfect freedom that only God can give. God of liberty and freedom, hear our prayer. We pray that the Holy Spirit may embrace the most vulnerable members of our society. We pray also for an end to the growing disparity between the rich and poor, and for the grace and courage to strive for economic justice. God of all, all gifts and blessings, hear our prayer. prayer. We pray for an end to prejudice throughout our country and the world, that we will respect all people as precious children of God and that racism, sexism, and every form of discrimination will be forever banished from our hearts, our society, and our laws. God of fellowship and equality, hear our prayer. We pray for a reverence of creation, that we will have the tools and the will to conserve it, that we will use its bountiful resources in the service of others, that we will become better stewards of all that has been entrusted to us. God of nature and the universe, hear our prayer. We pray for all immigrants, refugees, and pilgrims from around the world, that they may be welcomed in our midst and be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. God of outcasts and wanderers, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the aged, and the infirm, for those with physical or mental disabilities, that all may have access to proper health care and that God's loving embrace may be felt by all who suffer. God of comfort and healing, hear our prayer. We pray for all prisoners and captives that a spirit of forgiveness may replace vengeance and retribution and that we with all the destitute, lonely, and oppressed may be restored to the fullness of God's grace. God of absolution and mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all children and families, and particularly for the orphan, neglected, abused, and those who live in fear of violence or disease, that they may be relieved and protected. God of children and families, hear our prayers. We pray for the reconciliation of all people, 
and for the church throughout the world, that it may be an instrument of your healing love. God of outreach and restoration, hear our prayer. We pray for all who have died as a result of violence, fear, war, disease, or famine, especially those who died because of human blindness, neglect, homophobia, transphobia, or hardness of heart. God, God of, of eternal life and resurrecting love, hear our prayer. Almighty God, you have promised to hear what we ask in the name of your Son. Watch over our country now and guide our leaders in all knowledge and truth and make your ways known among all people. In the passion of debate, give them a quiet spirit. In the complexities of the issues, give them courageous hearts. Accept and fulfill our, our petitions, we pray, not as we ask in our ignorance, nor as we deserve in our sinfulness, but as you know and love us in your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.